Hallelujah. Right away, I just want to read from Isaiah 35 before I introduce the message. Isaiah 35, verses 8 and 9. And he says, And a highway will be there. It will be called the way of holiness. The unclean will not journey on it. It will be for those who walk in that way. And he goes on to say, Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there. Nor will any ferocious beast get upon it. They will not be found there. But only the redeemed of the Lord will walk there. Hallelujah. And so... This is a very tremendous historic time in the life of the Church of Christ because of some of the things I'm going to say here. But we see that the Lord has uh, deliberately at this hour decided to visit with the church. And this has been long time in coming. I mean, very expected, promised in the Bible. And... So over time, there has been this great longing in the heart of the church that these words that were promised in the Bible, these events, this kind of visitation, may be realized in your lifetime. Many preachers, many Christians, many pastors have been longing that that promised visitation in the Bible at least find them in their lifetime that they may see that tremendous, awesome, historic visitation that the Bible promises. And so we happen to be so blessed that the Lord, after some time, has chosen now to visit this generation and in a very historic manner, in a way that... Uh, as you will see from this point on, in a way that essentially pronounces this highway that I have just read, the highway of holiness. And I know that you know that there is no greater visitation to the house or from the Lord to the earth than the visitation of the holiness of the Lord. Why do I say so? Because only through the holiness visitation, the holy visitation of the Lord, can the church reclaim her destiny, reclaim her eternity. And that's why I'm saying that today really marks a very historic time when again the Lord is adding another nation to the fold that there may be a deliberate and intentional national preparation for the coming of the Messiah. And I think that's a very beautiful time in the history of the church. I'm saying that this marks a very important time in the history, the life of the church. Because at this moment, as you're going to see very shortly, the Lord chooses to speak directly to the church. So that's why I'm saying out of the words I'm about to say here, you'll begin to realize that this is a very blessed time. A time of refreshment, a time of restoration, a time of revival, resuscitation, rehabilitation, renewal. 
Hallelujah. Now, the Lord Jehovah, the God of our Lord Jesus, has spoken with me. The Lord, he has spoken with me. That is why we are gathered here. And this is part of a big move of God that has taken this message to all the corners of the earth and is still going and growing stronger, igniting revival here and there, all the way from Brazil to Chile, Uruguay, New Zealand, Australia, Finland, everywhere really, South Korea. And so, if the Lord has spoken with me about the coming of the Messiah, then what has the Lord said? And that is the vision I want to start by describing here. I'm going to describe a vision, the foundational message that you see gave birth to all this visitation. Now, I'm going to describe this vision here. It was on November 1, November 1, the year 2006, at about 3 a.m. in the morning. I was asleep when the Lord God the Father decided to visit with me to speak to me about the coming of the Messiah. About 3 a.m. in the morning. So, when the Lord came, what did he say? In that tremendous visitation of the Lord God, I found myself in that tremendous vision looking up into the sky. And as I looked up into the sky, I saw pitch darkness cover the sky. Total darkness. Obscuridad in Spanish. Total darkness covered the sky. There was pitch darkness. It's a kind of darkness that uh, I can say I'm familiar with it. If you are not in town, today most people tend to live in town or grow up in town. But if you are not in town, where are there lights? If you are somewhere in the village, like I know, like I've experienced, there comes a time in the night when the darkness becomes really dark. Pitch darkness. Probably around 11 p.m. or 10 p.m., whatever the time. That was the kind of darkness I was seeing. And observing that pitch darkness, then all of a sudden, heaven opened into the dark sky. This is how heaven opens. Rolled away in both directions like this. Rolled away from both sides. So when the Bible says heaven recedes, then I understood it on that day. Roll away on both sides and open into the dark sky. And when that happened, then I was amazed because I was able to see through the entrance and see inside heaven. I was absolutely amazed that now I could see inside from where I was. Hallelujah. Now heaven opens into the dark sky by rolling away, receding. Now look at this. I was amazed because I was able to see inside heaven. But when I looked inside heaven, what did I see? I saw the tremendous glory of Jehovah like cloud moving around inside heaven. I saw this tremendous glory moving around inside heaven. And it was such a spectacular 
and also shocking sight to behold. Because now I was able to see inside heaven, the heaven we cry for, the heaven we aspire to, the heaven we long for, the heaven for which we are born again. I was now seeing heaven. In that amazement, then I realized that, wow, the glory that I was seeing going around like a cloud like this in heaven was now beginning to disrespect the borders of heaven. You can say to breach. He began to bring out the glory now. The glory did not honor the borders of heaven again. Now the glory was coming out of heaven through the entrance that was open. Coming out into, remember the sky was pitch darkness. Pitch darkness, very dark sky. Now the glory is coming out. And when that began to happen, I saw a phenomenon. When the glory of Jehovah began to come through and pass through the entrance, the gates that he had opened into the sky, I was for the first time able to see and perceive the true power of God. The real power of God I saw. That's what I want to share with you. The true power of Jehovah. Why do I say so? Because I was amazed that when the glory began to come out, out of heaven, into the sky that was dark, then I saw the glory chase away the darkness. Hallelujah. Chase away the darkness. It was amazing unfolding before my eyes. The glory chasing away the darkness. In other words, the glory colonizing the darkness. And the darkness was no more now. Even up to where I was standing on the earth, now I could see light. I could see light has also taken over the earth. That to me was a highlight. The watershed moment. This was the climax of such a visitation, I could say. Because now, the darkness that had totally consumed occupied the entire expanse above the earth and the earth had been chased away dismissed in other words cancelled and told you have no power anymore that to me was the true manifestation of the power of God that, that I saw I want to share with you that I understood and as you are going to see very soon Every time the Lord speaks, he don't speak like man. It is so profound. In fact, you need so much time for him to keep visiting with you. This he had to visit with me more times to reveal to me the message more and more. Hallelujah. Opening and then coming to open again and open more. It's tremendous. Now it's really well developed. So now, the glory is performing a coup d'etat in the sky. Overthrowing the darkness. The glory of God. Hallelujah. As that was happening. So spectacular. Very awesome. Shocking sight to behold. Now look at this. At that very time. Then he makes me again. See through the entrance.
was inside the glory now it's come out but he wants me to see in so he focuses inside and then in there i see something else something different because the glory was brilliant now i am now seeing that the glory is overruling the darkness canceling telling the darkness you have no power the glory changed what was darkness to pure light a lot of light reached all the way down then the lord allows me to see further in that's where we were and i see something else something different there i see something golden within the brilliance of the glory of jehovah and when i look at that golden something different color i see that it's becoming larger and larger the more i look at it and the more i looked at it i saw the larger it became then only later i realized that was happening because it was moving towards the entrance that's why it was becoming larger hallelujah larger now until it reached at the entrance that was open that's when i realized they were actually two golden glorious powerful mighty wedding rings so at first i did not understand this because the way he brought them to the entrance that was open in the sky the glory has come now two golden rings have come but look at this now the way he brought them they were horizontal and i was seeing them from this side so at first i did not understand at first because from where i was seeing and they are horizontal and each one of them their sisters they are the most identical rings ever achievable in heaven or on the earth and he made me know that if you put one a mirror here on this one you see the other ring that is the level of sistering he did the level of identity however before i knew all that from where i was looking when they were horizontal i kept wondering is he trying to write figure 8 from where i was looking i just want to share a little bit deeper how i felt also inside that i wondered because now identical almost touching and like this from here is he trying to write figure 8 or what from here now what is he trying to write because you know i wanted also to know the message and then until he now began to flip them in opposite directions hallelujah if you want to build a tall building please spend more time on the foundation if you want to build a tall building please 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 spend more time on the foundation so that's why i want to spend time on this before we come here and if you want to build that building to be as tall as heaven then you really know what foundation you need to build so now he began to flip the rings the two wedding rings in opposite directions opposite meaning one in this direction the other on this way it was tremendous sight to behold in the skies at the entrance at the entrance that one did not pass at the entrance as that happened he makes me know that they are very identical 
very very identical you put a mirror here you see the other one so flipping the wedding rings making me understand they are very identical and then i also realized that in the flipping of the wedding rings he really actually wanted me to see also the design and the make the development of the rings hallelujah and so i began to pay attention to detail i saw that the gold with which it was made before i come to design the gold with which it was made was kind of very like almost reddish brown almost reddish brown something like that and the feeling from here in seeing and let me share with you here when the lord jehovah speaks with you there is so much information he downloads your heart he tells you so when i was looking at it he made me know that this is the most costly gold ever attainable ever attainable the most costly the most expensive if you will so it was so rich it was really rich i was looking wow this is really very rich so there is that communication also that goes on in there that this is really costly wow this is really very expensive this is so rich i don't know how to say rich but that kind of gold that you cannot attain that's one of the things he made me know and then before we go to other detail he makes me see the design the design what design do i see the design i see is the following i see that look the way someone can mold mold a ring mold look at this now i see that the rings are almost round round and well molded however the part that shows when you wear a ring that part it is almost molded round but when you reach that part it's a little flat a little bit not so much a little bit so it's really a round ring that part has just been flattened a little bit just a little bit the part that shows and the reason if flattens that part, a little bit really not flattens it's almost flattened a little bit is because he places there he places there richer diamond like gold shining through like this it is not something that protrudes above the rings no do you know the lamps sometimes which are on the ceiling is in the ceiling and then it's just the same level the ceiling and that lamp now gives light there that's how it was it was not protruding out they were on the surface but now giving that shine like diamond richer so this is what i'm beginning to see the detail now however now when i'm paying attention to that detail he also makes me know that even if again molded round even if i said that i want to go all over the earth from all the countries to the most sophisticated countries to look for these wedding rings he said i cannot find it so that's part of the message he makes me know he makes me know that look as you are seeing them they cannot be found anywhere that information he gives me and there is a purpose as i realize that round molded i cannot find them he also makes me know that the reason they are just almost like molded is because they are ancient design but you see whenever the lord speaks there is so much detail and everything is by design 
He shows everything for a reason. And if you follow through, you find a deeper message embedded in there for the church. Hallelujah. So, I am in this major conversation with Jehovah and I'm seeing all this unfolding in the sky. And even the reason he puts at the entrance those rings from the design ancient old, he makes me understand you cannot find it anywhere on the earth. Whether you look like what or you get any designer like what, you cannot achieve this. That comes out clearly. He makes me understand that. Then he says, ancient it's like you have a great grandmother or a great grandfather and he sees that maybe you are going to wed and he downloads his ancient 1918 ring or 1912 that i want you to understand this the level of ancient but of course that's more ancient than what i'm saying but i'm just trying to bring it into your context to contextualize this it is like having a great grandmother or great grandfather sees the son is about where or whatever the grandson or whatever great grand whatever and remove and say use this but when you look at that design that that great grandparent is giving and what we have today then you are amazed so you almost understand now they're molding you felt molded molded and ancient old antigua in spanish hallelujah there is a reason for that also so as this flipping is happening then he makes me also see the inside part that holds your finger i'm describing the outside but now the inside part that holds the finger that inside part was made of another type of gold it was a yellowish kind of gold yellowish also looking from here very rich and then when i saw the design now of the inside part that holds the finger this is what i saw i saw do you know like can you imagine a yellowish tile or creamish something like that and they're shiny because it was shiny and sometimes when you look at the tiles that have been put on the floor you may think these are cracks but they are not they are kind of radiating like cracks but they are not let's say you build a house with a tile and then the design is such that you think it's a crack these are lines of crack. No, they are not. They are not cracks. So now, the inside part with yellowish kind of gold, now they were radiating. They were those crack like they are not cracks. They are just designs. But radiating from a point like this, like this away, and this one also this way. Like they are converging in a given place like this, like this going, and like that. I'm just trying to give you the detail of the secrets of heaven today. Hallelujah. Now I'm sharing with the church of Christ the secrets of heaven. Hallelujah. So I'm able to see that also. So he's flipping the wedding rings. And then at one point again, when I look at the surface, now the outer again, I thought that up there some little drizzle rain has taken place and has fallen on the surface. When I was now looking from this side, now the surface again. I saw as if droplets of water are on the surface. Rain has fallen. I was like, wow, rain has fallen up there and touched the surface. Drizzles. It was not drizzles. When he was finishing the rings, this is what he did to the surface. He got some dust. Some like dust of gold. Dust of gold. Fine dust of gold. And he did this. He finished on the surface like that. 
So he made me understand that if I touch the ring, I would feel traction. Because of that dust finishing. Beautiful. I think you're beginning to envisage. Very beautiful design. And you can see it has all the reminiscence of taking his time. Giving his best. Taking his effort. Putting all resources. Holding nothing back. Preoccupied. Consumed. There's quite a bit of message from there. Hallelujah. So this is what I was seeing on that November 1, 2006, 3 a.m. in the morning. So it was in the midst of that conversation, that seeing of that unfolding, that all of a sudden, now the voice spoke from inside heaven. And when the voice spoke, what did the voice say? What did he say? The voice now said, from today on, all of Authority in heaven and authority on the earth has been given to Christ Jesus. So that shocked me quite a bit also. Of course, to hear the voice also shocked me. First of all, to hear the voice shocked me. But then now to hear that, to hear that from today on, all authority in heaven and authority on the earth has been given to Christ Jesus. That was the most important turning point for me. I'm talking about for me. Why do I say so? Because now, looking at the tremendous, identical, glorious, powerful, golden, spiritual wedding rings in the sky, now I have some information. The voice has now told me what this is all about. Now, he has made me know that actually this, I remember in that conversation, this is what I did. I said, wow, wow. So this is really about the authority of the Messiah. I remember speaking to myself in there. I said, wow. So this is the embodiment, the representation of the authority of the Messiah. So this is how the authority of the Messiah is represented. In other words. So now, as I could look at the wedding rings, I had some information about it now. I was amazed. I was awed. I was like, wow, this is the authority of the Messiah. And very shortly, you are going to understand why it is the authority of the Messiah. Hallelujah. So when the Lord speaks, you are right now beginning to understand it's really different from the way man speaks. And it's actually deep. Hallelujah. Now, this is the representation of the authority of the Messiah. And then, he continued. Remember, he's continuing slowly flipping them. It was such a phenomenon. Flipping them slowly at that entrance. He continued. The flipping continues. To show me all the sides. Even the inside. It was tremendous, beautiful thing to see. But now look at this. Then, in that silence that consumed, then the voice speaks again. That's now second time. When the voice speaks a second time, what does he say? Hallelujah. Now listen to what he says. He says, look and see who is seated on the white horse. Hallelujah. Look and see who is seated on the white horse. And I remember that when I looked slightly above the two wedding rings, you could call it the threshold of heaven. Slightly above on the inside part of heaven. Above the two wedding rings that he's flipping. When I looked there, I saw the tremendous, most powerful, most glorious, most mighty white horse of heaven. 
And I'm going to describe to you what he was doing. So now, I have seen the two wedding rings. Tremendous. The spiritual wedding rings are in the sky. The heavenly host now. And now I have a lot of information that this is the embodiment. This is the representation of the authority of the Messiah. That message now I have. And then now he speaks again and says, look and see who is seated on the white horse. So when I look above, I now see the most powerful horse of heaven. But I want to bring this to your attention. Number one, he is not the horse the way you know horse. Let's be clear on that. He is a humongous horse. He is very huge actually. It shocked me first of all the size. When I looked at the size, that also shocks me. Hallelujah. That horse is a huge horse. He is very huge. But I had a problem also there. Why? Because when I looked at the white, most powerful, most glorious horse of heaven, I did not understand the message. Hallelujah. I kept looking at him, the powerful horse. And then I was like, what is the message? Because I always knew, of course it makes you know, that all this is for you. It is for the church. So, even in the shock and awe, I still have to be able to understand the message. I am looking at this most powerful, most glorious white horse of heaven. I don't understand what the message is until he shows me a behavior. Until he begins to behave in a certain way. Now I pick the message from behavior. Hallelujah. What is the behavior that I saw? The behavior that I saw that gave me the message for the church. The white, most powerful, glorious horse of heaven. I saw him lifting his front legs and then crying. In English, they call it the neighing of the horse. He was lifting his front legs like this and crying. And then when I looked at the tail, he was wagging his tail like this. It is the behavior that gave me the message. Walking the tail, walking the tail and doing the legs. In fact, at one point he began to go, go around heaven like that. Then I understood, oh, look, the white glorious horse of heaven is about to be released. Then I understood that this was now a message on time. Hallelujah. Yes, today you will understand how the Lord speaks. And I'm doing this deliberately because of the apostasy in the church. So that now you never be lied to again. That is the purpose I'm going through the detail. And also that you may understand how God speaks actually. How the Lord speaks. It's very different. So, I see the walking of the tail like this. is walking his tail, walking. And the neighing of the horse. And he's doing the legs as if he's being delayed. He's about to go. In fact, when I saw that, I panicked. And you know when the Lord speaks with his servant in the dream, he arrests you. That's why he talks to you in the visions when you're asleep. Because first of all, he arrests you. And he removes all the prejudice of man. Hallelujah. We are very opinionated. The opinions of man. So, when he speaks in the vision, but in the sleep is the word, when you are asleep, he arrests you. So, whatever you feel, he causes it to happen to you. So he made me panic. In other words, you can understand that 
go tell the church to panic. Today you will know how the Lord speaks. So he made me panic. So I trembled. He said, Whoa, he's about to be released. You understand now? The panic. He's about to be released. Hallelujah. And you remember, he begins to run, run a little bit, a little bit in heaven there, a little bit in heaven there. And so, but remember the voice said, look and see who is seated on the white horse. As he's running, running around there, neighing, crying, when I looked on the horse, then I saw the glory of the Lord. I saw the glory of the Lord on the white horse. And then I woke up. Hallelujah. That is where I want us to begin this conversation for today. Now, I woke up, and of course that began a whole chain of everything until the revival reached here. So the question then is this. When the Lord showed me pitch darkness and heaven opening and the glory coming down and conquering darkness, conquering, conquest, I called it a coup d'etat, a coup. Some people call it a coup d'etat, a coup d'etat. When I saw the glory perform a coup d'etat in the heavens here. What was the message to the church? When I saw the heavens open, the glory come and chase away darkness. What is the message to the church? When I saw the two wedding rings, Lord, to the entrance. What is the message? Still on the same breath. When I saw the white, most powerful, glorious force of heaven, Acting as though he is about to be released. What was the message to the church? Hallelujah. Now, because of the condition of the church, this is what I normally do globally before I give the revelation. Because of the fallen state of the church, the deception that has entered the church, I normally present some key fundamental principles. And that is so powerful because those principles will essentially put us at the same level. They bring us to the same page on which I will now launch the revelation for this conversation here. Hallelujah. That everybody may be on the same page. I can never take it for granted anymore because of apostasy. Now listen to this. Every time the Lord speaks, how do you and I know that the Lord, he has spoken? That is the most fundamental basic I want to begin with. That when I finish with these principles, then I can now give you the message of the Lord. Every time the Lord Jehovah speaks, there are so many false prophets. Oh, the Lord has said, oh, the Lord has said, so much. But now that raises this important question then. Whenever the Lord speaks, every time the Lord speaks, how do you know that the Lord has spoken? Hallelujah. And you're going to realize that the failure of the church to adhere to these basic biblical principles Actually, the reason for the fall is the reason now the door is open. Anybody can come in and do anything. You'll soon realize that as I begin to dispense them down. Number one, every time the Lord Jehovah speaks, you and I must find it in the Bible. Oh, there you go now. I'm beginning to speak truth now to the church. I'm beginning to bring the truth of God to the church. He's saying that in that number one, that every time the Lord speaks, the Bible is the balance, the scale. Someone tells you the Lord has spoken, you take it, put it on the Bible. If it weighs 
Then you say, wow, surely the Lord has spoken. He's saying, in other words, that whenever, on every occasion, when the Lord speaks, it must line up with scripture. Oh. Line up with the word. And that is where the problem is in the church globally. And I have gone globally. That is where the problem began from. The failure to verify using the word. Hey. So the word was actually our reference. He's saying that every time the Lord speaks, the word is the mirror. The mirror. You put it here, see how God speaks. The scale, balance. You put it here, it should weigh. He's saying, should line up. In other words, every time the Lord speaks, you and I must find it in the Bible. To the extent that if we don't find it, we can say, God has not spoken. Hallelujah. In other words, I have deliberately described the mighty vision of God here. Why? Because it's not mine. It's for you. You have every right to know the detail. You don't just tell me the Lord said that. No. Can, sir, can you share with me that dream? Okay. Me, I know I hear voice also. Everything. He speaks quite involved. Severally by voice is tremendous also. But I'm saying sometimes if there's a vision, it is your right to know the detail. That nobody lied to you. From now describing the detail, you can now see. There is a detail. And then you see how the Lord speaks also. So he's saying that if somebody came to you and said, look, the Lord has said this and you don't find it in the Bible, you could as well just say, I think the Lord has not spoken. The Bible, the Bible, the Bible was the reference, the reference God gave us. The basic irreducible common denominator. The Bible is the barometer. The Bible. And that's why today, you see the church doing things that are biblical, non-biblical. And you're like, wow, how can they do that when the Bible was given? The Bible is our reference, is our constitution. The way when you form an organization, they tell you, and then since you have registered your organization with the government, now stick to the constitution. He's saying, ours is the Bible. That's our constitution. You wonder sometimes why we did not stick to it in our practice of Christian worship. Anyway, so can I move on? So I said, as I bring down these points here, these principles here, that govern whenever the Lord speaks, then you are going to answer, oh, so this is the reason there is a fall. Because we did not adhere to these basic principles, basic, before the revelation I give. I want to give this. The Bible now. He has finally centered the Bible. Number two. How do you know when God has spoken? Number two now. Every time the Lord speaks, when you and I listen to what the Lord is saying, this is what you hear. You hear the Lord saying, Holy, 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 be holy, for I am holy. Eh. There is a new day in church. Good morning. Because he's saying that number two, that every time the Lord speaks, he's saying he must always centralize the holiness of God in that conversation. 
And then right away, the church starts to ask questions. Then could it be true that some of the things we have been told, God has said this, this, that has driven the church to sin, led the church to sin. Could it be that God did not speak? Did you just understand right there? He's saying that every time the Lord speaks, you and I, when we look at it, when we hear it, you must see the holiness of Jehovah being centralized. It is only this truth that purifies the church. I know the church love blessings. People like blessings. The church of Christ, I've been all over the world, they say, please bless us. Man of God, bless me. Bless me. They really love blessings. So, in other words, he's saying, in this number two, the centralization of holiness, he's saying that let's say you like blessings and then the Lord sends somebody to tell you that he is going to bless you. He's saying that based on this number two, that there is no way he will send somebody to bless you, to speak that blessing, and then you receive it, the blessing of God, and then that blessing move you away from the Lord. No. He said, be careful now. That's what he's saying. Be careful now with what you call blessing. Be careful. You love blessing. Be careful now. In other words, he's saying that every time the Lord blesses you, I don't know what it is you want in your blessing sometimes to live the life on the earth here. Say, oh Lord, I don't have a house or whichever it is. Eh? Or oh, I don't have a, a car. A car is ministry today because you can take the gospel. Whatever it is that you are asking for. Whatever it is. Or wife. I don't know what it is. But listen to this now. He's saying that when that blessing comes from the Lord, it must draw you closer to the Lord. The truth has come to you today. It must draw you closer to the Lord. He's saying on that number two of centralizing holiness, he's saying every time the Lord speaks, speaks or blesses you, whichever, he's saying that visitation, that blessing, he's saying, must draw you closer to the Lord. But how do you know that it has drawn you closer to the Lord? When it draws you closer to holiness. Oh yes. The church is greater than the things of the world. The church is eternal. The church is a treasure. Hey, it is a treasure. So you cannot squander your salvation on the perishables. He's saying even if you are looking, let's say, oh, Lord, I want to marry her. And then you get that wife. That wife must draw you closer to God. So you are going to have to question a few things. That is the purpose why I'm sharing this. Then nobody can lie to you. When you reach the point now where you can vet, you can now audit, you can probe. You say, just a moment. If that is a blessing, if she says she's blessed or whatever, why is she still walking naked in the church? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just talking. I'm from Jehovah. Yes, I will only tell you what Jehovah is saying. The rest is yours. But I'm saying that my God is holy. And that if there's anything about the Lord that never changes from eternity through today into eternity, it is the holiness of God. 
So what I'm saying is this. I'm saying that when you go to the Bible and you look at how the Lord spoke to Israel and how he speaks to the church, you see one common basic denominator. Holy, 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 holy. I am holy. Be holy. Please be holy. Holy. You see as if the entire Bible is a major pronouncement of holiness. A call unto holiness. Hallelujah. Number three. Because of number two now, every time the Lord speaks, whether you look at Moses, you look at Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Malachi, Zechariah, you look at all the prophets, every time the Lord speaks, you'll always hear the Lord rebuking sin. Rebuking sin. Showing you sin. And I had a serious problem with this number three when the Lord sent me. When the Lord sent me, you know, coming from another background, having not gone to theological college, in fact, that was part of the contention, the fight, to tell him why, why me? So listen to this now. That one gave me a problem. Because at first also, I worried about being received. So when I went to Mexico, for example, to pronounce judgment on the Catholicism there, and it's tremendous there. I don't want to share the detail. It is unbelievable. Even where some fingers are cut of the dead bodies and put, some dead bodies are at the altar where bishop was just dried and put at the altar. People come and kiss that coffin every day as they worship. Whatever. It's unbelievable. I don't want to share more. You may wonder what is that. Huh? Where they also developed the Guadalupana, Guadalupe. They have Catholic Guadalupana. Now, where the Virgin Mary, the Mexican Virgin Mary now, and also the Mexican Jesus. Yes, he's Mexican. Oh, no, no, I don't want to go into that. So when the Lord was sending me there to go and rebuke the Pentecostal church for not reviving the land and to rebuke the practice of witchcraft and all these things that were happening there, my worry was reception. How will they receive me with this type of message? That's why I said this rebuke of sin number three was a bit of my problem because I wanted to be received. Received well. I know all of you like to be received well. You like that when you preach, someone come and say, Oh, pastor, you really touched my heart. You blessed me. I, I love you. I can't wait for... Pastor, take this, eat something small. You, you like that thing. You like that level of interaction with your ship where you're making them happy and they like you. Now, carrying the message I carry, this was the message I carried to rebuke sin. Now, I am rebuking sin. Now look at this now. How will they receive you? You enter here and say, oh, earthquakes are coming here. Hey, what gospel of earthquakes? Oh, you should have heard what they said. In fact, they even said we're in the dispensation of the grace. What are you talking about? We're in the grace. So I'm saying for a generation that loves love, loves peace, loves blessings, Loves joy. Me, I just want to be happy in my church. My pastor is happy. We are happy people. Just love happiness. I want to be among people who are happy. Now, he's saying that every time the Lord speaks, when he comes, he will do what? He will rebuke sin in you. So, I wondered, every time I'm going to a country, the only thing he showed me was sin. Until today. Until today. So, how will they receive you? For a generation that believes, oh, the grace is so much. A generation that has abused the grace. Oh, the blood is... No, don't worry about those things. 
So, number three we can see now. That every time the Lord speaks, if you look inside the conversation, there is a purification going on there. He is rebuking sin. Why? Because he loves you. Yes, he's telling you that that way of life is untenable. Will not bring you to heaven. It will hurt you. So that is love. And because of now that number three, we can also give number four. Every time the Lord speaks, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Malachi, Zechariah, you'll hear the Lord saying repentance. Showing you the exit strategy. How to return to him. That's why he comes to talk to you. Repentance. Hallelujah. And again, that's where another problem is. Because repentance is kind of a downgrading. Ah. Hallelujah. Repentance is kind of a downgrading you. You have been all this powerful bishop. You have your churches baptizing people many years. You have established your church. And then now the Lord sends a messenger and says, repent, meaning you got it wrong. For all these years, the kingdom you built, now all of a sudden the Lord sends somebody and then he's saying, uh-uh, you have been preaching the wrong gospel. Stop this thing and change what you're doing for many years. Because you see in the Bible, the Lord goes to a place and one cripple is healed. One cripple. And a chapter 9 is written, or, or blind, whatever. A chapter is written. Tremendous. And then he says, greater things than I, greater things shall you do. So that we know, as pastors, we know that, that there's a promise. And that promise was not a lofty aspiration that, wow, I wish that was achievable. It is supposed to be attainable in this life. Unless you are liars. The Bible never lies. It was not supposed to be something you read in a novel. Wow, your hair stands. Because I no! It is supposed to be attainable, realizable, achievable in the church. God does not lie. So I said, this repentance number four, every time the Lord speaks, you hear repentance. This number four is amazing. This again, people don't like. At one point I said, Lord, how will the world receive me? You are sending me to the nations. I've seen myself preaching in many countries. Before I came, I saw myself preaching in many, many, many countries, sweating the cripples, walking the blind, even the cancers that I was looking cure for. I was looking for the cure for cancer. I was now seeing in the dreams, cancers being healed. But the issue is, how will that happen if the message I carry is this bitter? Bitter. Amarga in Spanish, they call it. Amargura. Amarga. Bitter. How? How will they receive me? Because I wanted to be received well. Probably so I can get a meal. You know the issues when the Lord sends you. I'm talking about when you send yourself, that's different. But when he sends you, then sometimes the way he does, he change your life fast upside down. So I'm just talking about that kind of situation. Sometimes you want to be loved. Sometimes you are worried that, wow, I'm going to be alone. I want people to love me. I want people to receive me. Later, I understood that they don't have to love you. Only he should love you. Once he loves you, it is done. Number five, every time the Lord speaks, whether to Israel, you hear the following, separation, separation, separation. He says, be separate from them. Separate from the world. Separation. Hallelujah. Every time the Lord speaks, when you and I hear, you'll hear him saying so. Seek 
not the approval of man, but of God. In other words, don't worry what people say. Seek not the approval. That is where the problem is in the church. The church where she is now, she wants to worship and do things and win the approval of men. The town likes you. The mayor likes you. Whoever likes you. No. In fact, if you are walking with Jesus now, in this evil world we are in now, loving Jesus, faithfully serving Jesus, rebuking sin, walking holy, there is no way the world can love you. That I can tell you out of experience. Just experience. I'll just share with you out of experience. I also found out that when you just walk holy, when you decide to walk in holiness alone, you are not preaching. You are not preaching to them. You have just decided to be holy. You are reading your Bible at lunchtime. You carried your packed lunch. You are not walking with them to the restaurant, talking about immorality, whatever. You are not with them on Friday nights. You are just holy, long dresses. Now your dress has become very long and you are fasting some days. They will attack you, hate you, meaning you offend them. By that alone, you offend them. I found that out. I was amazed. I said, but I have not preached it. No. You are already preaching it by walking like that. You are indicting them. And then they say, holier than thou, whatever. So, I'm saying that you hear the Lord saying, don't worry. Seek not the approval of man, but of the Lord alone. Once you get the approval of the Lord, don't worry. And that has helped me a great deal. You can imagine, I have been walking alone. I can stay without the seven billion. As long as you can walk with this one. You walk with him. Then you don't care the seven billion. Then you just preach his gospel now. Hallelujah. Then you don't preach to approve or to win. You see all these conversations in the New Testament. You see all these principles established even as he spoke to Israel. You remember he even told them, separate from Egypt. He said, you are special now to me. For you are treasured. Even though I created all, you just separate here. Yeah? They are supposed to do their own thing. They are supposed to listen to only one. And when they stopped listening, in fact, he even told them the neighborhood might defile you. The level of seek not the approval of neighbors. Seek not the approval of man, but of the Lord alone. Every time the Lord speaks, you will hear him pointing, look, look, the coming Messiah. Even when he spoke to Moses and he told Moses, please go ahead and nail on the cross a serpent and tell them that whosoever is beaten by the snake, by the enemy, if they will focus on this crucified serpent, they will not perish, but live and have eternal life. Meaning the Messiah would come and he would wear the image of sin be crucified. You can also find in John chapter 3, you read from verse 14 all the way down. Then later in 16 he says, those who will focus on him have eternal life. Even when he lowered manna from heaven, when he brought the bread, manna from heaven, he was speaking about the Messiah. He said the Messiah would come and then John chapter 6 you hear him saying, no, it is not Moses that gave you the manna, the true bread. I am the true bread from heaven. You hear all this. So every time the Lord speaks, you'll always hear he's talking about the Messiah coming, meaning we need to prepare. What a beautiful warning, a lot. Hallelujah. 
If you know that you are not right before the Lord, repeat this simple prayer. Say, precious Jesus, I have heard your word about the coming of the Messiah. And now I surrender to you and repent of all my weaknesses and ask you to strengthen me with righteousness and holiness in the mighty name of Jesus.